Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Episode 119 of Smart Enough to Know Better. We're a podcast of science. Comedy. And ignorance. I'm Greg Waugh. And I'm Dan Beeston. And in this episode, get a grip, young people. And don't pop that blister. And Dan sends me through time to 500 BC to the Charvin culture. Also, I introduce you to a substance that's white and sticky. Oh. But this week in science, you know my boyfriend. You know my boyfriend. You know, you know my boyfriend? Elon Musk. Elon Musk, my boy. He doesn't know this yet, but he is totally mine. Just keep your hands off him, ladies and gentlemen. He just proved once again he's the best human being on the planet at this point in time. Uh, did you hear any of this? You must, you must have heard something about this. Going um, to Mars. He wants to take all the rich people and send them to Mars. <laughs> Isn't it funny? I've heard that a few times as an idea. For the listeners who don't know what we're talking about, it, it's, it's the Golgofrinchian Arc B. <laughs> Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> Which is funny, because he wants to call the first ship that goes to Mars the Heart of Gold. He's oh, a- right. He's actually has asked that to be the name. But what people don't know, what he said is... What happened to the Elon Musk rope? <laughs> a total existence fail. <laughs> turn, into a, turn into a whale. For those who don't understand what's, what we're talking about, Elon Musk has come out and said, look, we need to make the human race a space-faring species. So his company, SpaceX, are going to try and get people to, to Mars. Now, at the moment, it costs about $10 billion to take a person to Mars. That's what it costs, $10 billion. That's too much. That's way too much. So he's saying, well, by using, reusing Think of a rocket... all the iPads you could buy. <laughs> but he wants to bring it down to 200000 American dollars. So $10 billion American dollars to 200000 American dollars. That's a ludicrous... Which is still about $9 billion Australian dollars. <laughs> Something like that, yes. That's pretty much half our, half our GDP. But that's a massive drop. And when he wants to do it, you fly up on one of his rockets, and you get taken up into space, and you put it into orbit. But, and then it lands 20 minutes later. They refuel it on the launch pad. It takes off again with the fuel. It refuels your rocket. It does that four or five times. And then you take off from space. So you have a reusable rocket going up and down, up and down. And it flies you. That You don't have to have like lift all that tonnage in all one go, which is quite clever. Ah, cool. right. There's other things as well. Using different propellant. Having much more powerful rockets, which don't exist yet. So, I, so basically you're grinding. You're, like you have a little tiny bit of fuel up there and a little bit, a little bit. And oh then a couple goodness. of years later, you've got a, an accumulation of fuel, and then boom, boss battle, off to Mars. I hadn't even th- That's a great idea. You could get people who love things like World of Warcraft and that sort of stuff, you could convince them to, to run the rocket and, and to grind out levels to get people into space, and people would do it. They love game theory. Oh, it'd be the best thing in the world. Yeah. But 200,000. And it, lots of people made the joke that you made about the, you know, sending rich people into space forever. And you go, no, t- the whole point is $200,000 isn't for rich people. I don't know, like, I, I couldn't afford for two hundred thousand dollars, but I bet someone. I I could earn it. I could save that up. I could sell your house. Yes, going to need it when you go to space. Absolutely, and and you'd be dead. But and people misread him because he they said, "Oh, why would you be dead?" Well, because he see he did say you have to be willing to maybe die because you're going to Mars. You're going to a planet, another planet, and. I really like that idea. Not not dying, but people are like, oh, you can't say that. But no, it's like when people went and found, sorry, found America. But you know what I'm trying to say. When when white people from Europe wandered, stole America, stole America when they from turned, the Native Americans. That's right. When they first turned up, when they when they were going there, the colonists anyway, they're going there, the invaders. When you, you look, let's let's. Oh goodness me. Anyway, you know what I'm trying to say here. <laughs> let's just say the people who Those came, fucking Spaniards. That's the one. When they, and then not just them, but the people left Plymouth and went to Plymouth Rock in America to to start a colony. A lot of these people didn't live. They died on the way. They, the entire colonies vanished and never to be seen again. Like the, um, Croatoa, I think is the name, one of the names, one of the colonies in America that vanished. No one knows what happened. So we've lost that pioneering spirit. When people went over the horizon in the past, they didn't know they're going to survive. And I think when we go to the next horizon, it's a lot more dangerous because you're not going to find green fields and oxygen. But I think party's got to say death is a possibility to be a pioneer. I, and I don't think we should say you can't do that. I, I don't think we should force people to do it. But part of me is like... I think you are. I think that's exactly no, your message. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is someone like myself who wants to go and do it and, and, wants to, and, and would potentially die, I don't think people should say, you're a lunatic because you'll die. They should say, 
that's a pioneering spirit. Now, we should minimise the chance of death, of course, but, <laughs> but there's always going to be a chance. You're going through space. Someone said, oh, you know, what, what, it's going to take so many months to get there. You know, you'll get irradiated. Yeah, you'll get bad x-rays and you'll get things from space. I get that, but yeah, I, don't, I don't know. Part of me just thinks it's worthwhile in the end. It's we, space cancer. We, oh, God, you can imagine. And, and you, you just die up there because they wouldn't have the same treatments that you'd have here. I got very excited. I'm very excited that someone finally went, let's do this, let's bring the cost down, and here's a plan. Can we do it? Is it definite? No. There's a lot of people much cleverer than me going, mm, maybe not. Not yet. But I'm glad someone's thinking about it anyway. And I'm glad it's my boy Musk. Someone put the kibosh on that Hyperloop. Did they? I yeah. missed that. Okay. He's like, oh, we want to move it from uh, California to, uh, to, to San Francisco and whoosh straight along the pipe. And someone went, what, what, what about the earthquakes? Like, oh. there's a fault line. Like, it moves by, like, two centimetres every week. As far as I'm aware, that's what, it was Elon Musk's idea, but not Elon, he never, he's never um, developed it. He passed it on to someone else, and they've gone, we'll run with it. Uh, so two companies. his idea. Isn't it his idea? No. no? I, oh. it, was, it was originally invented in, like, the 1920s or someone. By Vacuum something. tube. Yeah. I know that, I know that. But. In his defence, also the electric car. That was... So <laughs> true, true. That's all right. Look, I'll forgive him a lot of things. He's he's wonderful. So there you go. Let's get into space, everyone. Let's just get everyone, not just rich people. Don't make it like Stark, the Ben Elton book Stark, and send the rich people into space because that will end up very badly. Well, no, it blew in, it blew them all up. Oh, all right, it's well, great. That ended up very well, then, did it? Is that a good thing? Yeah, I don't know. You know how sporty I am. Oh, are you ever? I move from one room in the house to another room in the house, mm. but I don't jog. You're you're a bit of a runner, aren't I am you? A, I am a jogger. Yes, that's yeah. Right. To hell with that. Right. That's dangerous. Yeah, right. <laughs> because you'll end up with like serious health damage, like Will I? blisters. Oh. <laughs> I have had blisters. Yeah, I must see? admit. See, that's true. I've On had blisters. death's door, be you. <laughs> really? They're not that bad, are they? Uh, no. But, okay, good. No, that's, not, the, that's I, not what this segment's about. How Bush is going to come and kill us all? No. Oh, okay. Phew. No, that, that's a bit of comic hyperbole. Oh, very good. But I, I was wondering about blisters because I was, I, I was like, I don't know anything about blisters. Mm. Like, I don't know whether they're just damage or whether they're the body's response to damage. All I know is they go white like a blister in the sun. That's all I know from the doctors, the violent femmes. Is that lyric when that oh, I, hope so. I go white? I hope so. I thought so. it was oh, the, no. then I go off. Like oh, a blister in the oh well, that's going to be a walk of shame for me then. Because the I thought it was like, let me go white like a blister. Let me go white like a blister in the sun. We can look it up. The internet's right there, but I don't want to. I don't care. Right on in and tell us. We've got, a, we've got something better than the internet. We do. Listeners. Yay! <laughs> but I thought it was let me go off. So cause oh. when it pops, it's just like a, someone orgasming. Does it, like, blur. It was like fluid everywhere. Do your blisters burst in the sun? If so, if seek the medical. Sun's hot enough? No, what? <laughs> like, if it's really cooking. Uh, my, no. Mine don't really go white either. Now I think no, about it. they don't go right. Oh, that's okay. This whole thing's rubbish. Yep. Modern music is rubbish. <laughs> oh, modern. Modern music. <laughs> yes, yeah, good point. Yeah, the Violet Femmes. <laughs> damn it. They're not, still, they're not still down with the kids. Damn it, damn it, damn it. They occur with moist skin. With the Violet Femmes. And warm skin. Blisters. Right, sorry. Right, with the you. Violet Femmes are all moist skin, warm skin. <laughs> Which is why we associate them with shoes, because shoes are warm and moist. Yes, yeah. Awful mm. things. Yeah, it's disgusting. Okay, so the epidermis of your skin is made up of five layers. Right. Okay, there's the cornified layer, which is the top layer. Mm -hmm. It's dry and slightly acidic and kills the shit out of microbes. Yeah, take that, microbes. Like, microbes hit your skin and the skin's like, fuck you, and just bleh, just right. pop. Got it. There's the stratum lucid, which is only on your hands and feet. Right. So oh. you don't have to worry about that. We're, just, we're not going to ignore that today. Okay. Third layer, the granular layer, seems to create a hydrophobic lipid envelope that presents the moisture escaping. That's that's because like... you don't want moisture escaping from your body. That's your blood. Yeah, yeah. I'm I am mainly moisture. That's what yeah. I have. Is it hydrophobic on both sides? So water can't get in and water can't get out. Yes. Oh. That's why we got pores to let sweat out. Ooh, like a duck's butt. Yep. Um, I beg your pardon. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's my father used to yell. It's like water off a duck's butt. I don't know. Gross. My father liked to use watch ducks. They don't have butts, they got cloacas. They do. That's a story for another time, though. The wonder fundament. Then there's the spinous layer. We'll get to that in a moment. Oh, okay. And then there's the basal germinal layer, uh, which is associated with all your nerves and stuff. Right. So touch, pressure, and, and heat, and pain, and heat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Balance and embarrassment. That's right. Hey, here's a cool thing. Here's something really interesting. Go on. If you put 
put gloves on your hand, just like plastic gloves, like like, like form fitting ones, like and latex you, ones. Yeah, your latex ones. Yep. Yeah, and then you put. I your, do that all the time. And you put your hand in water. You will still feel your hand feeling wet. Oh, it's wow. really weird. Even though that your hand is not wet. Your body goes, oh, it's cold, and you got that pressure. I must be feeling wet. That's freaky. You, I've tried it. It's really weird because I read about it. I went, Try, give it a go. And you go, oh, yeah, your hand is actually still. And when you take your, the glove off, you still get that. You go, oh, my hand's oh, no, it's not wet. It's fine. Your body is still, oh, no, I'm fine. But, yeah, it's really like weird. like magic sand. Yeah, it's so strange. Anyway, it's, yeah, it's weird. Even though you're not wet, you feel wet. Because wet isn't a feeling. One feeling, wet is temperature and pressure, I think. Uh, two different, you don't have a wet sensor in your hand. You just have different sensors. Your brain joins together and goes, that's wet. So, there you go. Oh, that is nutty. <laughs> okay, so we've got five layers. Yep. So, the first layer, really hard and dry. It's like jerky. Uh, yeah, jerky. Yep. Especially so, me, I'm getting older. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Wrinkled and stuff. Ugh. Like an angry prune. Spotty. <laughs> and you like splash it with water, it just bounces straight off. Yep. Bullets then, right then, off. Then the next layer, it's more like a layer of halloumi. Right. So it's sort of it's sort of squishy and, yep. and but it all packs together Squeaky densely. Squeaky when you eat it. Okay. Mm. The final layer, layer yep. five. Right. It's like densely packed vertical sausages. Right. So Good. all the sausages sort of pointing straight upwards or jam them together. Right. So you got top jerky mm-hmm. and halloumi mm-hmm. and then down the bottom sausages. Right. But in between the halloumi and the sausages, mm-hmm. filled with fried eggs. Right, fried eggs. Still with fried eggs. This is the craziest sandwich ever. It is a great breakfast analogy. (laughs) (laughs) I researched this in the morning when I was hungry. (laughs) So what happens with a blister is you get shear forces, which means that forces that rub from side to side, Mm -hmm. like the shoes, like going backwards and forth on your heel. So what you do is you put shear forces, side to side forces on that jerky. The jerky shifts. Right. The halloumi shifts. The sausages down the bottom, they don't go anywhere. What happens to the fried eggs? They get popped. They just rip. Right. They rip yeah, apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, right. They rip oh. apart because they're all soft and yeah. soggy. Yeah, that's right. So that's the damage. That's the damage to the body. Yes. And you end up with, like, two layers of the epidermis that sit above the bottom layer of the epidermis. The sausages. The sausages. Right, got it. Okay. And so you just end up with this big cavity between there, and that cavity fills with plasma. Ooh. So the plasma is like a wonderful little fluid. I think it might have some white blood cells in it, but I'm not quite sure. But it's, it's all plasma, yep. which is... Part of blood. Part of blood, mm-hmm. and it's very clean. It's what's, what's, what's it called when something's very clean? Sterile. That's the one? Right. Yes, it's sterile. <laughs> I, th- I thought you were tricking me. <laughs> no. I thought I'd go, sterile, I go, you idiot! No, it's not! But no, you actually went, oh, good. Yeah. It's been a couple of months, but you still <laughs> got those good instincts, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. those defensive instincts. It feels like a trap to me. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, so it's actually okay. So good. it fills up with plasma, which yep. helps with the healing process. Got it. So when you've got a blister, you've got all that healing fluid there to adhere the second layer, like the halloumi, back to the sausages. Right. And create God. new fried eggs. Right. To keep it right. So for Ooh. God's sake, don't. Pop it. Oh, yes, don't pop it. Because the skin is still working at that point. The skin is doing what it does, Mm. which is keeping everything outside of you being something else and everything inside of you, you. Yep. And you don't want those to get mixed up. I think it's horribly infected and bad things happen. I went to Mongolia many years ago, and a guy, we, we all got very drunk one night in the in the Gur tent. Are you allowed to call it a Gur tent or just a Gur? It's a Gur. It's a Gur, it's a Gur. You're right, yeah, it's a Gur. In fact, I don't think it's called a Gur. Anyway, the tent. And he got very drunk, well, we were all very drunk, and he went to the toilet and he, he tripped and he grabbed the, the chimney. In the center of the Gur, you've got a, they, they cook things in it. It's a stove. And ah, they, yes. And they had a, a chimney going out of the top of the Gur. Yeah. And he fell and grabbed it with his hands. Ooh, bad idea. That's hot. It's very, very hot. And he burnt himself so badly. Uh, he didn't realise because he was he was drunk, so he held on for too oh. long. And then he was like cooking quietly. Oh. And then he took his hands away, and we're like, "Oh, oh my the god!" Sausages. And then, and the sausages. It was all very bad. And he was horrifically burned. Like, well, yeah, but he blistered like massive, uh, like inch high blisters, two and a half centimeter blisters are coming. Many, 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 many all over his hands. Mm-hmm. So we, and this is right at the start of this trip in the middle of Mongolia, where we didn't have access to anything. Like it was, it wasn't that sort of wasn't like a racist hospital. Well, we did. We went to a hospital, and they're like, "Ah, oh, we don't know," you know, because it was a local hospital. Yeah. After a couple of days, so we wrapped his hand up. Uh, we had to like take him to the toilet. So all the boys had time to you know basically help him go to the toilet because he couldn't. He couldn't unzip his pants. He oh, couldn't. No. He couldn't take his pants off. He couldn't hold anything. If you don't know what I'm trying to say here, because you had to hold him on the wing. Yes. Yes. And aim. Yes. Because well, he could just sort of hold stand there. But if anything went horribly oh. wrong, because no, 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 because well, the the penis sort of points down and it was fine. But yeah, what? he had to make sure he didn't splash himself down. <laughs> Stop going to the toilet, excited Dan. 
No, mine swings around like a sprinkler. <laughs> but this, but what was really weird was we had to argue. Cause I was like, "Don't pop your pimples, pimples. Don't pop, your, <laughs> don't pop your uh, blisters. Don't, blisters. Don't pop them. Like seriously, don't and, and like don't pop them. Don't pop them." But. Everyone else was saying, no, you should pop them and drain them, otherwise you're going to get infected. And I was like, don't, don't. And so he popped them. In the end, they, they actually popped them with a hot needle. At it. And then his hands got horribly infected. And I felt vindicated as the guy I quite like was like, oh, my hands are full of infection. It's very sad. Wow. He's okay now. He's fine. And now our audience knows what to do. Which is what? Don't pop them. Don't pop them. Speaking of hands, Dan, take me by the hand, sir. Hands, Dan. Hands. Yeah. Uh. Uh, uh. Oh, he has a good, he has a good firm handshake. Yes. He's keeping like, well, he's let go now. No, well, this now handshake, that, handshake. Now we're not shaking hands. Now we're holding hands. Now we're holding hands. Well, that's fine too. That's fine. Dan, you, you have a very, very strong handshake, and you gave me eye contact until it got weird, and then you looked away, which is also fine. That's it's all fine. about aim. It's a, it was, aim and timing. <laughs> it is. <laughs> you don't want to go in too fast, or else you're, or you just, you, you end up holding each other's fingertips and. And that sometimes that has happened to me. Oh yes, occasionally. So and people are too polite, and they're like, "Oh no, what do I do?" And I and I just, I'll just like break away and just go, "Nope, we're doing that again." <laughs> this is the first chance, the only chance of doing this for the first time. Boom! So handshakes are very important. They're very. It's a way of disgusting. I, I have no weapon and that sort of stuff. And but you know, yeah. But they're what? horrible. I look, my, I'm, I, 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 I'm gonna have to wash my hands true, now. It's true. Because you just been coughing. Like I'm gonna have to. Edit I don't out, cough into coughing. my hands. I don't cough into my hands. You've I always cough into my shoulder. Teacher thing. I always cough up here or into my elbow. I never cough into my hand. Mm, ever. Okay. Ever, ever, ever. No, no, no. Never do that. You always tell teachers, I don't know if it's a Queensland teacher thing or it's uh, teachers in general, but teachers very rarely cough into their hands. We all seem to cough into other parts of our bodies because... <laughs> because... because <laughs> They're very flexible. <laughs> because we don't... Yeah, coughing into your hands is terrific. But no, I agree. But your handshakes. Handshakes are important. And it seems that once again, young people have ruined everything. Oh, no. Anyone under 30... If you're under 30 listening to this, I'm talking to you. You limp, hand-waving... No, wait. Hand-shaking person, you. Yes. Why? What are they doing? What how, are they... Can they, how can you bugger up a handshake? Well, it's not their fault, Dan. It's actually been shown that millennials have a weaker handshake than those who are over 30. It's been shown. So what? How? The researchers from the... But the, they're playing all their Nintendo well, games. Well, 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 let me tell you. The researchers from the Winton-Salem State University in North Carolina found that men and women under 30 have a weaker grip strength than they did back in 1985. I don't think they mean they did back in 1985 because they wouldn't have been born back in 1985 because yeah. they'd be negative one. There you go. But I, I know what they mean. Like that's, okay. that's a badly written article I'm now reading it from. Uh-huh. I just realised that. Anyway, so a, what's really great, it comes from the Journal of Hand Therapy. There's a journal called the Journal of Hand Therapy, which is great. Anyway, so they took 240 men and women and under 30s and, and old, over 30s and they tested them out about hand strength, hand strength. And what they worked out that on average, men's hand strength has decreased by, it's American, I'm sorry, 20 pounds and women's hand strength has decreased by 10 pounds. What's our usual hand strength? Uh, that's a good question. Like, what percent is that? It's 20 pounds. Does that mean you can crush 20 pounds in your hand? No, no, no. It, you it, just it, crush it? No, no, no. If I've got something resisting at 20 pounds, I can just crush it into a tiny, like, super <laughs> condensed black hole in my fist? Yes, that, that's, that's exactly what they're saying, <laughs> Your average hand strength, grip strength, you should be able to have a, a, about 48 to 50 kilograms of grip strength in your hand. So they're about 8 kilograms less than that. So what's that? So that's about not quite one-fifth. So one, one s- what does that mean? It's the, 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 when you, how much force you can pull on a device. So if you hold it and grip, it's like how much you can pull on it. So newtons of force, basically. Uh, apply. So you and is it. that the pressure coming from the fingertips inwards or the, how much I can grip and then pull on something? No, no, well, that's be your arm. It's literally just your hand. Hand. Wow. Just your hand, yes. So basically what they're saying is an average person should be able to move, the average male should be able to move between 48 and 50 kilograms just with their hand on the, just wow. make it move, which I think that sounds about right. That seems great. Anyway, but not younger people. They're about eight kilograms of strength less than that. So they kind of, and I'm trying to work out why, what's happened. Like they seem to be getting smarter than us every generation or so. There's like 10 IQ points due to the Flynn effect. But they're so smart. They're so smart. How do we stop them? But, but tiny weak hands. That's how we stop them, Dan. <laughs> they can't. can't out. Arm wrestling competitions. Yeah, nothing but hand wrestles. But they're, they don't really know. Let's say the millennials just seem to have weaker hands and they think it's got to do with, they said it's got to do with less manual labour in the world now. So people are doing more Nintendos. Uh. But I went... 
I think about my age. I'm 42. I think about how old I am. And then I think about people who are 21. I don't honestly think I'd do any more physical labor than, than someone who's 21. I, even at 21, I don't think I did more physical labor back then. I just oh, I did some roofing recently. Well, you're, but you're, you're, a, you're a crazy mountain of a man, so that's, <laughs> that's different. But I, even beards fear my face. <laughs> you've got a beard internally. All your organs are just chock full of hair. Yes, they're they're in the epidermis with the eggs and the sausages. <laughs> so if you're so if you're a person under thirty, I'm afraid you need to work on getting your grip strength up on average. Now, but that, don't they have more access to pornography? Like, surely yes. your grip strength would. How hard do you grip, Dan? Like, do you you don't like try and tear it off and throw it out a window or something, do you? Isn't that how you? Oh, we need... oh. okay. Let's move on. I was stuck on something the other day. News. Yeah, super glue. Ah. ah. Good um, joke. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> that's not the end of the Next secret. <laughs> no, that's not the end. Thank God. I am talking about glue. Right. Because glue is something that we've used since we were kids. Yes. But how does it work? I've eaten so much of There's it. There's so many different types of glue, too. Yes. Like, yeah. some glue is for paper, some is for wood, yeah. some is for... Metal. Metals and Metals, stuff. Soldering. That's Plastics. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, the, I only think the plastic ones aren't really glue. It, doesn't it just chemically melt the glue a bit? That's and then, exactly then bonds how it, it works. Back together. So that's not like really glue in this way. Not the way I think of glue. No, but still, they sell it as glue. Yeah, yeah. And that's what yeah. it does. It, yeah. it, it's a chemical that it reacts with plastics, and both ends of the plastic melt into, a, into, a, in, into their sort of natural liquid form, and then... <laughs> After a chemical reaction, it yes. all cools down and they just go hard again. Yep. And so it's two pieces of plastic become one. Yep. yep. Which you can't get any more glued than that. Yes. And, and it doesn't work with wood that way. You can't do it with wood. No. It just melt down wood. No. Now, there are some glues that you have to you paint it on and it dries and then it's just super sticky. Mm-hmm. It just, we, that, that's it. It's stuck Yep. when it dries out. So what happens is there are polymers... In a fluid suspension. Mm-hmm. So it's just like a whole bunch of like Lego bricks in water. Yep. And it shakes, shake, 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 shake. They don't sort of stick or anything. But then all the water evaporates, all the Lego clicks together. Right. The way that polymers do. Yes. Sometimes. Yep. Uh, <laughs> if you do it right. <laughs> yeah. And then they're just, they're bonded. They're stuck. They're all stuck together. They form a shape that doesn't change. Yep. Okay. Uh, super glue is different. Super glue is chemical adhesion. So the original one's called mechanical adhesion. Okay. This one's called chemical adhesion. What happens is the super glue absorbs water and has a chemical reaction that hardens it when it absorbs water. Right. So once you get all the polymers joined together, uh, yes. once it draws all the water out of whatever it is. So it draw so it draws water out of the air. Yes. And then that actually stimulates the chemical reaction and everything bonds together. So basically what it does is make little bits of rope, bonds lots of little bits of rope to lots of other to make one big long bit of rope and then knots all the ropes together. Yeah. So all pretty the ropes much. just locked together in a big lattice of ropes. Yeah. Cool. And um you know how when you're using super glue, you like stick two things together and you hold it for a while, and then if you don't hold it for long enough, those two things won't be stuck together, but, but your fingers <laughs> will be stuck to it. Yes. That's yes. because your fingers have both moisture on them mm-hmm. from sweating and they lots of little crenulations, so it bonds real, so there's plenty of surface area. Sur- yeah, surface area. So it actually, ah. it's really good for sticking to human beings. <laughs> Which is glue more people together. It's great. Yeah. Now, hot glue, that gets fed through a glue gun. Mm-hmm. Heat it up. What happens is it melts and then it just solidifies. Right. And so that's how it glues. Same thing again. So temperature-based, yep. okay. Yep. And it can even melt if you leave it in your car. Right, because that's how much it gets high enough. Plastic glue, as you said, melts it chemically and just turns two pieces of plastic into one piece of plastic. Yep. It's amazing. Epoxy. They Epoxy mix... on you and all your houses. Epo- <laughs> oh, sorry. No, okay, fine. Um, Shakespearean for a moment there. Okay, but what happens is you mix together two chemicals, the polyepoxide and the hardening agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, the chemicals react and form a three-dimensional cross-linked thermoset structure. Good luck. So just more ropes. Yeah, right. Yeah. More ropes. Right. Uh, it's an exothermic reaction, so it heat. gives off heat. Yep. Uh, an exothermic could give off light. Well, yeah, well, because heat is light. Heat. What? Well, heat is just infrared. Oh, damn it, you're right, too. Yes. Oh, that's very smart. <laughs> oh, well done. Thank you, thank you. It's, uh, okay. That's what many telescopes look at in space, is now, hot things. That tells us that all of these glues are basically a liquid that turn into a solid mm-hmm. in certain situations. But that doesn't actually explain how they stick to stuff. Right. So... What happens is most of the glues, they just fill in the tiny pores on the surface. Right. So, like, it's 
it's easier to get. That's why you got to rough it up. So they rough yeah. it up. So you get some sandpaper and rough, 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 rough. There rough. you go. So you can you can stick like two pieces of paper together with like mm. easy glue. Mm. But if you want to stick two pieces of glass together, you could be in some real trouble. Mm. Mm. Visualize hard, it this way. Very hard to glue ice then. No, super easy to glue, glue ice. Oh, really? Yeah. Ooh. So if someone was wearing, say, a wet T-shirt, mm-hmm. so and like her, you know, smooth round form is sort of sort of pushing through the wet T-shirt, right? And uh, and you both decide that it's time for that wet T-shirt to come off, right? And you help it off them as it right. sort of just peel it away from their like moist, trembling skin. What's going on here? And then you. <laughs> I have to pee <laughs> upwards, um, and then, and then you. you thoughtlessly just throw it at the floor to ceiling mirror next to the revolving bed. Okay, and it hits the mirror. Okay, <laughs> I see. Okay, so mm. the wet t-shirt hits yep. the mirror. Yes, and it sticks to the mirror. Yes. Okay, and then it kind of deforms and peels away from the mirror mm-hmm. and falls on the floor. Now, if it wasn't going to change shape, right, and just stay against the mirror in that shape, it would stick there. Like, if there was a way for you to make that wet T-shirt suddenly go hard, yep. for instance, turning it into ice, it would stick there. Right. It would bond to that because surface. Because it would be, it'd be stuck in all the holes and bits and pieces, all the ve- valleys and microscopic well, crevices. lots of microscopic crevices are very helpful because that, that's a sort of a mechanical hook yes. that you can do. But there's more going on. Oh, okay. So there are forces that stop it from peeling away from the surface. Is Van der Waal forces? Our old friend's Van der Waal's forces. So it's the same thing that sticks oh, and geckos to the ceiling. They have to is glue. Oh, really? Oh, okay, there you go. And all glues. All glues is Van der Waal forces. Just as long as it's like pressed up against it like that and That's like on cool. a microscopic level, it just, the, the energy, I don't know how Van der Waal's forces works, but that the energy, <laughs> the arrows pointing yes. in are bigger than the arrows pointing out. So it stays on there. We're back. Oh. And we are forcing Greg into the time machine. Oh, he's got man. an. When he's in the time machine, he finds out where and when he's going to, and then he has an hour to research on the internet how he can make out like a bandit when and where he arrives. Oh, and Dan gave me a fantastic one. Now, I didn't do this on air. No, no, we didn't, know. It's been uh, a while since we've done this. It's been a while, yes. so, but I, I, I challenge you to one. Yes. Where was it, Greg? Because so I don't remember. <laughs> you sent me to a ruin... Which hopefully won't be a ruin, which it won't be a ruin back then. Sharvan <laughs> de Huanta, which is a pre Incan temple back in 500 BCE. That's great. So I jumped in the machine. I had an hour to look into this before I appeared back then. South America? South America, very nice. We haven't really done South America before. And you know what's really interesting about the Sharvan culture? I do not. No one knows jack crap about the Sharvan culture. It's really not a lot of information. Well, what an excellent opportunity for you <laughs> yes, to go find out all about them. It was like, oh no, like the what the, the Sharvan de Junta, the temple that you sent me to, it's that <laughs> at 500 BCE, they were so 500 years before Cobbin era. Uh, that was when they started to move into this area. Like they, they, it was like the fall of their civilization. They were, they weren't doing very well at this point so it was like a transitional period for them i was like oh well these people sound basic as hell even though they built this massive stone step pyramid but they sound pretty basic now but oh no no more research i did into them the the shaman were amazing metallurgists they made amazing braided gold necklaces and that sort of stuff they they were very good at, at any sort of metal work so i was like oh dear this is very bad now for me um, oh yeah metal's good at cutting stuff yeah, that's right they've, they've worked out all Let's that take a crack at that epidermis <laughs> they they basically they've done that already they, they're already uh, ready for me in the fact that i can't teach them metallurgy which i've done you know talked about before so i was like oh bloody hell they, they sound like they know what they're make doing. sure you're pointing into the microphone <laughs> sorry yes i'm just putting the computer down <laughs> so they already know about metallurgy they're really good at it as well so i can't teach them anything about that it's like oh okay what am i gonna do now so i really started to panic looking into what they did they were pretty impressive actually what we know about them they were very good at making waterways so they would dig canals and that sort of stuff nice and to the point where they build canals and when the water would run through these certain canals at certain times it would roar like a jaguar supposedly so the noise they'd actually shape the the stone so from stand at certain points and hear the noise it makes which i wonder about these things yeah because you you imagine two two of these guys go it sounds like a jaguar he's like what what the uh, shh he's like yeah no listen really carefully he's like can you hear it oh 
Okay, so let's write that down. Let's, 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 be, let's make that the only thing we write down. <laughs> but the only thing we ever talk about. So I was, okay, what am I going to do about this pre-Incan civilization? How am I, what am I going to learn? What am I going to teach them about? Like, what can I, what can I bring back to them so I can be amazing, thrive, and just, you know, just become amazing? And I, just the more I researched, the more I was stumped because I just didn't know what this pre-Incan civilization was actually going to be able to do. Finally... Finally, it occurred to me. So, about forty-five minutes in, of me desperately searching all over Wikipedia for all, yeah. the, all the information I could find about them, and further, but mainly Wikipedia. Yeah. Well, it's it's all of the all of humans, all of human knowledge. That's right. I can find every bit of information about every superhero I ever need on that on that Wikipedia. It's amazing, including. Chachin Hervéan, what is it? Shavan Dahuenta, the nighttime supervillain. The jaguar water guy. But yeah, so I was a bit kind of freaked out. Do, you, the, do you hear the sound of a jaguar? Uh, it's just a drain pipe. <laughs> Jaguars! Ah! <laughs> they always hide in drain pipes. <laughs> Dragged away. But I realised I'd been answering my own question by answering the question all the time, which was pre-Incan civilization. It all became very apparent what I needed to do at that point. So, with 15 minutes to spare, I started to research. Forget the Shavan culture, which I know very little about, mm-hmm. because no one knows very little about. They, they seem quite clever in some respects. Well, they were quite clever, obviously. They did metallurgy. They also had braided ropes, so they, would, they looked like they would put numbers and letters on ropes and then take them as like a way of keeping records oh. at other places and go, hey, we have no idea what they say because we can't, we've never worked out how to translate Haven't them. found the Rosetta rope. There's no Rosetta rope, that's right. It was just English letters tied to the sides of them or any other language we know. But yeah, unfortunately not. But so they were quite, they were clever people. This is, so this is a decline of their civilization or their, so anyway, but the Incans come about 1,100 common era. So it's AD, if you want to call it that. So it's way off in the future. Pay dirt on that one then because I'm looking at 500 BC 1,080, that's 1,500 years later. That's great. So I just went and raided all the Incan information I could. All right. So I just thought, the Incans took him over. Well, took over the area later on. So I was like, well, I'll just give them the information the Incans would use Uh 1,000 years, 1,500 years later. They'll... That's be, they'll, they'll just be really great by the time the Incans turn up. So I was looking through all the Incan stuff, going, oh, this is great, what can the Incans do? And, and things like rope bridges and roads, but I can't make... I could braid some rope, maybe, but I'm a bit crap at all this stuff, so it's, once again, it's a bit of a problem. But like, mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't actually make a road. I know the Incans made great roads, but I can't tell them how to do that, because... I don't know. Like it's, you get some sticky rocks. Yeah. yeah it's and then you stand around with a sign for know? like weeks at a time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you slow down everyone who comes past you. That's right. And you and even if they nod and smile at you, you're just always surly. And what also, is it with people who hold up right road signs? Because I'm sitting be very there, bored. Yeah, but I'm sitting there in, a, in my car with them standing in front of me with a stop sign. And I'm like, and they turn a little thing right and you do a little nod and smile yes. and stuff. Nothing. Aww. Like they're obviously just standing there for hours and hours and hours yes. in the rain and elements, just going "fuck you" and your vehicle. Yes, basically. Well, so I can't. I can teach you how to do that part, but I can't teach you how to build things. So it'd be even more more annoying. But finally, I went farming. Once again, it all comes back to farming, Dan, with me. You know, I'm obsessed. Food and shelter. Food and Who shelter. would have thought those were important they to were humans? very important. Now, these people could bring the water, so that was fine. They had access to water. They, at this point, they weren't, they were, co- they were, they were getting smaller. There's less of them. They, they were pulling back to the old Fewer temples. Fewer of them? Pardon? Fewer of them? Less of them. The bits that actually mean bits of them have been cut off. As time oh, okay. Went yeah, They're no, literally no, cutting really their like... leg off and then and then eating it. Yeah, I, I retract my uh, <laughs> pedantry. There is fewer of them, and that's because because they they couldn't feed themselves. They couldn't. They just didn't have that nose. And suddenly, I would appear in a puff of time power. They would worship me like a god, as we always assume. But we can somehow speak the language, and they're not just going to murder me straight away. That's the assumption that that's we the make every we time. Will. Yay! Get this terrace farming. Oh, terrace farming. Terrace farming. Terrace farming. So you were talking about big mountainous areas. Like it's up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. Sounds awful. It's it's very hard to farm on. Very bad for mountain biking too. Yes. Don't introduce mountain biking. All very good for mountain biking, maybe? Oh. Yeah. Well But you really What a great time! I prefer mountain biking on the plains. Right. So I want a terrace farm. So I now know how to terrace farm because I looked it up. It's not that hard. It would require a lot of people. I don't have to physically do it. I'm just telling them how oh, to do God, it. Oh, God, no, no. no, no I don't want to accept any... Uh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just the clever, the clever wise person. Might get blisters. <laughs> oh, blisters. <laughs> so all those sausages. Now, 
you just clear across, you just make it flat. We've all seen terrace farming. You just make a flat ledge and you just carve away all that lovely soil. You keep the soil, don't get rid of it. You carve away the soil. You put down gravel, a big pile of gravel. You put down sand and then you put down a thin layer of topsoil. You don't need a lot of topsoil. Mm-hmm. And then you, on the side you have rocks. So the rocks keep it all, basically it's like steps. It's like a stepped farm. So you can, you can start terracing whole mountains and have a lot more area to farm on. Which you don't have to go too far. You don't have to go find a flat plain to farm on. You can terrace farm the ho- everywhere around you. Anywhere that it's, as long as you can get to it and then carve it away, you can now build a farm on top of it and you grow a lot more food. What's more interesting is the rocks that you put on the side, I thought were just there to... Decorate keep... it, make it look nice and, and stop, pretty. And stop the dirt you know, pouring into the valley. Yep. So, uh, but what it's also there for is, is thermal inertia. So the rocks heat up in the day uh-huh. and then they slowly give up the heat at night, but not as fast as the soil. So they actually keep the crops a little bit warmer than the surrounding areas uh-huh. at night time as well. So terrace farming is good for that. So what, you'd, what they'd be growing would be things like corn and potatoes. So you could sow those and they could grow corn and you could grow potatoes. But of course, if you keep farming in one space, what happens? Oh, uh, the the Mongol hordes come in, and yes. you got to hide from them. Yeah, right. But also, the levels of nitrogen and stuff yeah. in the soil go farmy, yes. so you got to rotate your crops. That's right, and it's very difficult to rotate crops if you haven't got crops to rotate. Also, if you haven't got a lot of spaces to, you can't let it lie fallow because he's just been digging up a side of a mountain to build a terrace farm. Yep. You can't go somewhere else very easily. So we, we're not going to do like we did when I went back to uh, 5000 BC in Britain mm. and just tell them to uh, move off, move somewhere else or use All poop. Right. You can use poop, use a lot. They, these people at this point had just, were just about to domesticate the llama. So I was, it, it, was going to pick the llama to begin with, but it was so close when I looked into it. I have a feeling they already were doing it. Ah, um, right. So I go, hey, guys, llamas. They go, yeah, yeah, we've got llamas, man. That was last year. And you're, Damn it, Misty. Yeah, those yeah. things are bastards. So they spit. Yeah, yeah. Be... Alpacas are much nicer. <laughs> yeah. They're like, I, I was thinking the other day that uh, alpacas, they're like the Canadian llama. Oh, that's why I hate them. Right. So here's what you say. Okay, so you can farm on these terrace farms and grow more food, and that's great. But if the crops start to fail, don't give up. You can still do something interesting. So they start doing a three-way planting. And what you do, you first up, you plant corn. And when the corn gets to a certain height, just high enough, you grow beans around the bottom of the corn so the beans can start to grow up the corn. Oh, yeah. So you've got two crops growing at the same place. And also the beans fix nitrogen from the air into the ah, soil. Ah, nice. So, so you're fixing up your soil. And then in the spaces that you can't fill with anything else, you put in squash as well. So you grab three crops growing in one. What's really great is the squash is mulch for the soil. Ah. So how to explain it to them, and this is this what the Incans, I'm not, didn't, I didn't come up with this, so the Incans did this very, very successfully mm-hmm. 1,500 years after these guys. So I was like, do it this way. What you do is you grow corn for yourself. Yep. So corn is the, is the first crop for you. Ooh, amazing. Ah, uh, very good. Uh, so corn is for you. You grow the beans which you can eat, but really what you're doing is growing a crop for the sky. So you get the crop for you, you get a crop for the sky, crop for the soil. Yeah. No, crop for the sky. No, yeah, sorry, I didn't think of this. Crop for you, crop for the sky, yep, and the nitrogen? squash is the crop for the soil, which oh. is the mulch. You're appeasing the sky gods, you're appeasing the dirt gods, and you're taking food for yourself as well. That's how I'd get them to remember it over time. Oh, that's clever. And I would become like a baron of great, bountiful harvest. Corn baron. Corn baron. And people would find me amazing, which you just did. Damn it, Dan, you stole my joke. Oh, sorry. <laughs> It was a corny joke. Ah, anyway. very good. I'm going to send you somewhere. Sorry, yes. What? Yeah. Oh, no. Clang. Right. Dan. Yes. You're going to be. You get, you get put into the machine. I'm in there now. You were also sent to a 500, but 500 AD. Hey. 500 common era. After Jesus. Yes. The Axum Empire. The Axum. Axum. A-K-S-U-M Empire, which is in what is now modern Ethiopia. Oh, my. There you go. Enjoy that. I will. I won't. (laughs) Uh, Since our last podcast, there's been a very big global event. Right. Of course, the Olympics. 2016 Olympics. That's right. In Rio? Yes, Rio, where where the big Jesus was. Yeah. Is. Still is. Still is. And all those starving people. Yes. Yeah. Okay, and what and what does the Olympics provide more of than anything else? Um, dissatisfaction with my body shape. Good answer. Thank you. No. No. What's what's the Olympics very famous for? Uh, bringing people together 
country is to compete. Losers. 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 Many losers. Almost all of the Olympiads are losers. That's right. Olympic losers, but still the yeah. best in the world, yes. Doesn't matter. Right. Still losers. Still losers. Okay. Right. Harsh. Harsh but fair, Dan. Harsh okay. Fair. Now, uh, a week after the Olympics, yep. get the Paralympics. Yes. People who have uh, various... Uh, uh, who live with various disabilities. Yep. Uh, still bunch of losers. Right. Okay. Thank goodness uh, we're known for saying that. Smarter the better is calling Paralympians yeah. a bunch of losers. Yes. Right. Yes. You are saying That's, this? I'm, my, I'm, my name is Dan Beeston, and I stand by this comment. <laughs> Please tune out now and start writing your email. <laughs> Don't let me justify myself. No, no, no. There is something quite interesting that someone discovered about all the losers at the Olympics. Get, and losers in general. They get fruit thrown at them. They went to the judo. Right. For All so- the losers went to judo. <laughs> they just got angry and started picking fights. <laughs> no. Uh, the researchers went to the judo yes. in the Olympics. Right. And they watched the, all of the losers at the judo. Mm-hmm. And then they went to the judo at the Paralympics for all the people who didn't have, who had sight difficulties. Or, right. Or just basically not just difficulties, just couldn't see anything. Sure. Had never seen anything doing judo. And they looked at the f- expressions on the faces of the losers. Right. And they were the same. They get frowns. Their eyebrows oh. tend to come in and, they, and, they, and their faces turn down at the sides like yep. a, a proper frown. Wow. Although, actually, now a frown is a misguiding idea because... In America, a frown is what you do with your mouth. Mm-hmm. But in the UK, the frown is something you do with your eyebrows. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I think a frown is in your forehead. Your forehead. Yes. But, yeah, in America, the frown is the, the, the upside-down smiley up. face. Oh. Turn your smile up. Turn that frown upside down. Oh, yeah. And you're like, no, but how do I turn my eyes upside down? Because it's not you. Right. Yeah, your frown yeah. is only like, like a, thunderous, a thunderous forehead thing. In yeah. my mind. Oh, yeah, okay. Interesting. So that's just to clear it up for all of our listeners. Right. It turns out that both smiling and frowning are inherent attributes. So all humans So do them. we do it naturally. Well, there's a part of our body, the makeup that goes, oh, when I'm sad, I'll make this face. Right. Yep. So a psychology professor by the name of David Matsumoto from San Francisco State says that the statistical correlation between the facial expressions of sighted and blind individuals is almost perfect, suggesting something genetically resident oh, wow. within us is the source of facial expressions of emotion. Yes, I see. So 85% of silver medalists, or as I like to call them, first loser, <laughs> produced social smiles during the ceremony. Now, a social smile oh, okay. is one that uses only the mouth muscles. Right, it doesn't it's referred eyes. to as the Pan Am smile or the Botox smile. Right. <laughs> um, now, lo- losers push their lower lip up as if to control the emotion of their face when they do a social smile. Oh, I see. Okay. So they're trying to, they, you know, yep. that, that smile ah, where they're like, yeah, ah. it's great to be second. Yep. Second comes right after first. <laughs> and they lock their face in to regulate their face. Right. Now, people who are blind do this as well. Oh, wow. They yeah. fake smiles in the same way. Wow. But they haven't learned to do it visually. Yeah. They're not mimic copying of someone else. Now, it could be that our emotions... <laughs> And the systems that regulate them are vestiges of our evolutionary response. So if you're a monkey and then there's like a bigger, stronger monkey who's mm. like, I'm going to take all these lady monkeys and fuck them crazy. <laughs> like I'm going to live wearing these sexy T-shirts covered in water and I gently peel it off their glistening monkey breasts. Monkeys then... have breasts? No. No. But, um, right. Okay, that's safe. I mean, they can. Like you've got to pay a lot of money. <laughs> 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 That would be fucked up. Like, that would be a messed up a visual. Large, a large-breasted macaque. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it would be hard to climb. <laughs> um, no, no, they, they, when I say that, it would be hard for the macaque to yes, climb. Yes. I'm not trying to climb a macaque okay. with breasts. Well, you know, look, hey, Dan, whatever. That's, look, don't, don't try and justify this now. Okay, but anyway, so big, angry monkey. Yes. And, and, and it's like, aha, you're first loser. And you're like, that's okay, that's yeah. fine. Because if you're like, oh, well, you then yeah. he's just gonna yeah, beat you up. Wipe my face off my. He'll turn my frown upside down. He will. <laughs> that's right. And put it on your quite bum. literally. Put it on your bum. There it is. Okay. Yeah. That, I can see that. Yeah. That's that makes sense. But you don't have to see it. It's just built into us. Yeah. Ugh. Now there are true smiles. If you if you've oh. ever been happy in your life, right? Never. Um. Called I've a never been happy in my life. <laughs> a dash in smile, and that engages both the mouth and the eyes. Dash in smile. Dash in. I, I like that it's, it's more like a small sausage. A dog. douche hand smile. That sounds smile. It's like it's high on both ends and then it dips in the middle slightly. <laughs> Just like a douche hand. Now, you've heard of someone with a twinkle in their eye? Yes. So they're, they're 
you know, they've, they've got a mischievous grin, they've got a twinkle in their eye. Yep. That is from a proper true smile. Right. Now, what happens is your eyeballs have just a little bit of moisture across them in the same way that, say, a tennis court that has had a little bit of rain across it <laughs> is a little bit moist. Yes, good. But then when you smile, your eyes tend to close quite a bit. Mm. So they're usually quite open with a little bit of fluid, and then they close down to like a third of the same surface area, right. and it squishes all that moisture into a much smaller Ooh. space, makes it deeper, like a tennis court being flooded. Right. And so then the surface of the eye is much more reflective. Yes. Yep. Yes. It's all flooded. Right. Yes. So that you obviously get the the smile face, the smile mouth. Mm -hmm. Also, if you've got like light behind you, obviously Mm. you want light to reflect. And in a dark environment or when you are attracted to someone, your pupils expand, creating more black for the highlights to show up on, Ah. to give it that sort of twinkle, gleaming look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Okay. That's why with a lot of photography, they always use lights. It's like I've seen, they sometimes use round lights so that you actually get a round light inside the eye. Yeah. So you actually don't just get a point light, you get a round, nice round light as well, which I don't understand particularly. But Well, that's so that you, better. a wider light will give a softer shadow, whereas uh-huh. a really small light will give a really harsh shadow. Yeah, yeah, points like, You know the light bulb that swings for, and yes. when someone hangs themselves? Yeah, of course. And they can yeah, see well, the, the, the silhouette cast up against the wall, yes, yes. And, then, well, and, then, no. and then Dan writing out the note saying, oh, I've killed myself. <laughs> Um, under those situations then you get the sort of the twinkling smile Mm. the light behind and the deep eyeball deep eyeballs yeah deep eye fluid yeah and it's very nice oh i hope someone smiles at me like that one day oh i hope so too now there's one other type of smile which is a suppressed smile when you want to do a sincere smile like your your body is trying to force you to do it Mm. but you're fighting against it so you purse your lips together to try to gain control but it's Mm. hard to control your eyes and your eyes keep wanting to squint and it's obvious that you're trying to smile part of you is trying to smile Uh actors do it all the time when they corpse yes on stage yes I did it last I I made someone else do that last night you certainly did it was great is it making another actor corpse is one of the best things in the world oh such power you go, oh, you suck. You're an amateur. I would never have broken like that. And then the fight begins. <laughs> A fight of laughter. Walk of shame. Walk of shame. It's been most of this year since we've done a walk of shame. That's very exciting. Uh, which is strange because we make a lot of mistakes. We, we just make crap up and just willy-nilly. Yeah. Willy-nilly. Or sometimes we just say, I don't know what this is. Yep. I'm just going to say it's this. Yes. We just hope. Like like, like I said. We're, we're too um, lazy yeah. to look it up on Wikipedia. There's no way. There's no way of finding out with any one of these internet-connected machines. It's not possible. You cannot possibly answer it. So let's wait for someone to go through their encyclopedia at home. All right. What do you got for me? Nothing. I'm, no one says me anything. That means I've made no mistakes. Therefore, I'm assuming no one's made any mistakes at any point. Yay, moving on. Okay, my first one. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I made a mistake. Oh, you made it. They sent it to you. Why did we... No, do... I found it myself. Okay. Uh, in one of the previous podcasts, I was talking about the speaker that the musician has in front of them, yes. which just sends back their music at them so they can hear that everything's going fine. Mm-hmm. And I called it the fallback speaker. Yes. Okay. Oh, okay. Right. Which yeah. I thought that that's what it was. It was if you, rather than falling forward onto the audience, it would fall back onto me. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, it's uh, actually called the fold back. Yeah, fold back. Let's say it's fold back speaker. Yes. Okay. Because it folds back the sound on you. Makes just as little sense. You were talking about opposable thumbs. Yes. Recently, and you said apes and octopi, octopi hold tools, but birds can't. Yes, yes, yeah. I did. Yes, yeah. I stand by that. Yep. Yes. Now, oh, that sound, I must be right. Then you're you've gone quiet. Excellent. Moving on. Uh, hang on. I've just... Okay. Now, tool use can't be instinctual. It refers to calculated interaction with the environment. Right. Yes. Some would say that octopi using coconut shells to hide inside isn't a tool in the same way sure. that a hermit crab shell isn't a tool. Okay. But it's contested that because they're carrying them in plan for a later outcome, yes. that this does actually count. Yeah, uh, I get that point. So hermit crabs don't use tools. Coconuts but with the octopi probably are. Right. Okay, but you said birds can't use tools. No, definitely can't. there are plenty of videos of birds making calculated usage of tools. Twigs, sticks, rocks, 
and even cars. I said they don't hold them in their hands. I stand corrected. No, I don't. They Thank you very much. In their beaks. No, that's not. Well, I, did, I didn't say they didn't use tools. I said they don't hold them with their opposable well, thumbs. I thought Thank this you is very a much. crazy thing for Greg to say. <laughs> what would make? Because Greg knows this. He would never say that. I yeah. went back and listened to I, the audio point, and yep. you went. Apes and octopus can hold tools, but birds can't. And right. I'm like, oh, he's just an idiot. But they're not holding them. <laughs> holding them in their mouth. No, it's fine. I'll, I'll, give, I'll play that one. That's fine. Yeah. But yeah, so birds can use twigs and sticks and rocks yeah. and cars. And I've, I've seen, actually, now I think, I don't even know how I said that. I've seen videos of birds dropping rocks into bowls of water to raise the water level up to get access to the food floating on top and that sort of stuff. I've just told you that birds use cars twice. But did I? Well, I've seen... That's nothing. That's, that's, that's nothing? That's nothing. Whatever. I think that's pretty impressive. Who drives Ubers? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't talk to them. They're too busy, I don't know. They're some, too busy, they're too busy tweeting. There's some... <laughs> Thank you very much. Can I just come in? So I'll, 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 I'll claim that. That's fine. I'll right. walk of shame, that one. There's a story I was going to talk about today, but I just never got around to it. You're talking about monkeys using tools in... Some of Thailand's coastal islands, a group of wild macaques, have actually started using tools. Oh, as in making nice. tools and using them. For the last 50 years, we've been watching these monkeys, and you're like, so they've actually entered the Stone Age. Like, wow. Not just, oh, I've got a rock and whatever. No, no, no. They, so, yeah, the, um, we can show the, we'll link to the video. So we're not too sure exactly how long they've been doing it for. We just been know. It's, it's Piak Nam Yai. was separated from the mainland during, from, during the last Ice Age from Thailand. So basically, yeah, they were on, but they... Yeah, they forage the shellfish, unpredictable tidal situations, same way as humans. They actually use stone tools, which they create to crack open the shellfish. Wow. That's a Stone Age using creature. Yeah. They've reached, man, we're stuffed. As soon as animals start working, they just keep banging the rocks together, guys, to quote Douglas Adams. I wonder if they, if that wasn't happening and then they saw humans using tools and uh, something went click. Yes. I, 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 as you said, it's not instinctual. It's something you've got to learn. So yeah. it's, but we don't know how long. As I said, they, we've been watching them. We've known about it for about 50 years. I didn't know about 50 years, but humans have. So we don't know how long. They, may, they might have been doing it since we were doing it. Like they, It's possible that... It was self at the same time. Or maybe, maybe Dan, and this might just hold on to your butts on this one, mm. maybe we learnt it from them. What are you, insane? No, that's fair enough. We've got, like, I got a hammer in the garage. It's amazing. It's made out of, like, super steel or something. No. <laughs> okay, so that was sent in by... Steve. Thanks, uh, Steve. So, thanks, Steve. Next on the agenda... Yes. Dave Lambert. He he reckons that we both sound the same to him. All right. Because we're from Australia. Fair so enough. Fair basically, enough. he tunes in and all he goes, he hears Okay. But what he did pick up on yes. was, remember we were making fun of your mother. Um, <laughs> oh, God, really? But, and the fact that she would call it an automatic, automatic transaction oh, yes. machine machine. Yeah, yes, a, a automatic ATM machine. Yes. We were like, ha, 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 waterfall, waterfall, ha, ha, ha. Yes. And then... Crazy old people. And then we, not sure who, managed to make mention of a personal identification number number. And oh, a digital number. audio tape tape. <laughs> so maybe we need to be a little bit more careful. That's right. And don't pick on the elderly. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Thank you, because Mr. Lambert. Soon we'll be the elderly. Yeah, that's true. Technology's getting scary, man. Okay. I'm now, still banging the rocks together. <laughs> oh, and another one from Dave oh, man, Lambert. He's, he's honest. He's honest. Yes. he. I think he found the podcast quite recently and just went, <gasps> oh, f*** these guys. <laughs> I'm going to find them. I'm going to beat them up. I'm going to take every little bit. I'm going to be technically correct. Nice. We love it. Thank you, Dave. Okay. He mentioned the cow jumping over the moon issue. And you said that, and we worked out that the cow wouldn't burn up on re-entry. It would burn up when it leapt into the sky from the friction in the air. Yes. Well, heavier air. We discussed this a lot. Yes. In the past. Yes. Yes. Now, he points out that when things re-enter the Earth's atmosphere, they heat up not because of the friction of the air rushing past so much uh, of the compression of the air. When I pump up my bike tyre, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm putting a lot of energy in, but you, then you touch the bike tyre, it's quite warm. Mm, like, yeah. it's really warm. Yeah. So compression heats up things like a bastard. Yeah. Now, I think that you've mentioned, though, that when the air is quite thick, yep. that, that the friction would be the stronger Yeah, when it's really, really thick, it is, thick. yes. The, the, right. the friction thick, would thick be air. heater hotter yeah. than the compression. Well, that's, what, that's when you cause when you get into the deeper air, that's what you're using to break, basically. Yeah. The, the thicker, thicker air is buffeting you, yeah. So I wondered about this. Turns out the effect of friction is a factor, mm-hmm. but the maths between compression and friction is insane, and right. there aren't a lot of people who have the knowledge. Ooh. There's a whole school of study called aerodynamics. Right. Uh, it incorporates... <laughs> yes. Boundary layers, lubricants, fluids, skin, internal and rolling resistance. 
all sorts of seriously complicated stuff. Yep. This is the stuff that they, they build supercomputers to work out. Sure. Like, okay. there are, like, these giant supercomputers. Some of them do weather. Some do, like, nuclear explosions, like, mm-hmm. predict nuclear explosions. And some of them calculate wind dynamics over spaceship foils and air ty- airplane wings and stuff. It's yep. really complicated. You know what's really weird is I actually saw recently a picture of a cow in a wind tunnel and, and the airflow around a cow in a oh, wind tunnel. Oh, wow. So it's actually like, weird, and like all the red bits, like here's where it hits here and here's where the cow heats up here. So yeah, it's connected to what we're talking about now. So I expected the cow leaving the ground at escape velocity. Yes. Uh, it's probably not going to be the most aerodynamic form. No. <laughs> and that if friction could be can be more damaging than co- the compression, it's probably going to be the case on a temporarily hairy cow. Right. <laughs> so I think that the cow is probably going to suffer from friction more than compression. Sure, yes. Yeah, there you go. Uh, okay, hang on. Here's the picture. Here's the picture of the cow in a wind tunnel, or the mathematics of the cow in a wind tunnel. There we go. <laughs> we'll, link it, we'll link that one to the show notes. Oh, that looks, that, that's a cool-looking cow. Yeah. So what we're saying is that there would be... What we're saying is it's super complicated. Yes. But because it's a cow and that they have no aerodynamic at at all... Yes. ...that they're not designed to deal with wind rushing past them and eddies and stuff like that. No, not at all. So they're probably going to have to deal with more friction than compression, whereas something that's designed Ah. to hit the... to travel through the air would probably have to deal more with compression. You know what? I'm not even sure that's right either. No, it doesn't sound sound right to me. It's It's complicated. You use... But what you're saying is when you engineer something to a certain shape, to re-entry, so you use the... You want to get through the first part of the atmosphere as fast as possible, and it's going to heat you up, and you're going to get a compression wave at the front of your craft, the plasma that's created... And, and that's that's so to survive that heat, you've got to ablate. Bits going to come off. You're building it in a certain way to fall apart in a certain way, so you can get into the thick atmosphere and slow down. I think I'm making too many assumptions. Okay. I think I'm just going to go with my original thing, which is we don't know whether you're right or he's right. Yes, because the the maths is far too complicated. And even if you guys read something on the internet, you're yep. probably wrong. <laughs> Fair enough. We just don't know. But I'll, well, I'll wear that. The cow jumping over the moon is more complicated than I, than I originally thought. That was the walk of shame. Oh. If you hear oh. Greg make a mistake somewhere in the podcast... Maybe earlier on. Maybe earlier on. I maybe I mentioned yeah. something earlier on the podcast. Who knows? And it may be a scientific mistake. It may yes. be a pop culture mistake. It could be. It could be. Then please it do send the, it to... It could be the pronunciation of Charvin de Huenta. No, you... no we don't, we're not going to deal with pronunciation <laughs> mistakes. Unless you literally come from that culture, I don't want to hear about it. Okay. <laughs> From 500 BC. Yeah, and from 500 BC. Not now, yeah. I don't want to hear if your great-grandmother came from South America. I don't know. At any rate, if Greg made a mistake, send it to dan at smartenough.org. And if Dan makes a mistake, so hang on, this this is just for the listener, Mr. Lambert. Hi, I'm Greg, and I'm from Australia. Hey, I'm Dan, and I'm trying to tell you fucking yarp, the back paddock, and he's a blue heel, he's a guy's bloody ass. That's Dan. And so if Dan, if you hear that voice making a mistake, then send it to greg at smartenoff.org. I never made a mistake, mate, you're a hotel and they're all prawn. You have been listening to Dan at smartenoff.org. And Greg at smartenoff.org. I'm not even going to remind them about all the stuff that they can do. No. Like, you they know. They don't know by now. Yeah, they, they must you know. you don't know like, me by is, now. What episode is it? We're like, never, never, we've done like 150. Ooh, in like six years. We've been doing it for six years. Like every single episode. You we're like, why didn't you follow us on Twitter or you know, Facebook or yeah, iTunes? Yeah, whatever. And you know what? You know what? Stuff it. You know what's They're coming. Fine. But you know what's you know what's coming though. You know what's coming. It's it's podcasts are actually have having a big resurgence at the moment. All the big radio programs are now creating podcasts as well. Oh, not great. just not just taking the radio more competition. Not just taking the radio program and turning it into a podcast. There's all those people are now are like, oh, we're part of this radio station. We'll create a podcast. Now we don't do that, Dan and I. We're just two people who just do the stuff because we did for years. Oh yeah. So support the little guy. Is what I'm trying to say. There's lots of us out there, people who do it very well and do and, and us. Uh, and uh, oh, so, and some real shit too. Oh, there's some. Like, there's some people. That, I mean, every man and his dog's got a point. Oh, every yeah. every brand new stand-up comedian yeah. go. Oh, I've got something valuable to say. And then you listen to it as like, I don't know anything about this. Yeah. No, I don't know anything either. Isn't that funny? We know that's about right. All sorts of stuff. <laughs> And we want so, to share it with you guys. And support us. So definitely support us. Pass us on to a few of your friends if you like us. Why not? And they, then they'll go, who are those guys? You'll build an argument about it. That's what we want. People arguing in the streets with fists. And as we always like to say, 
Well, you're coming up the back with you, a bunch of shrimp on the bobbies. You're fine. Well, they burn up the clacker. Hey, another bu another buzz is gone now that I've lifted the running computer off your microphone wire. <laughs> Hooray! And now as a test for the listeners, see at what point of the podcast that humming noise vanished. They Epoxy on you and all your houses. Experience for a moment there. I'm trying to come up with another Shakespearean-related glue pun, but it's just not coming. <laughs> This is very quiet. That was very loud. That was very loud. <laughs> I can see that. Um. All right. Uh, yep, I really was going to... Oh, sorry. I was going to go with rope, because rope... <laughs> sorry. I was going to go with rope. Yeah, don't talk over the tune. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot it can hear me. Uh, but I wouldn't. The, the rope braiding, rope bridges are a big thing. Like that was something the Incans did that really helped. Oh, them. Yeah. But I was like, uh, no, I really couldn't honestly say. Though it's kind of like paracord, just wrapping rope in rope. You make a bit of rope and you make a another bit of rope, and then they just keep piling up. But I went. That sounds like, easy. Yeah, it sounds easy. <laughs> I'd trust my life over a <laughs> precarious chasm. Yes. In the, the hands of my own ability to make yeah. rope. Yes, that's the problem. What the Walk, you talked over the freaking. <sighs> <laughs> you... 